everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, a uh, returning creator, someone who was here uh, before to talk about her Kickstarter campaign, uh, a book that eventually came out from Image called Deadliest Bouquet. It's my pleasure to welcome Erica Schultz back to the show. Erica, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about your upcoming series. It's set in Todd McFarlane's Spawn universe. Uh, it's called Rat City. Zay Carlos is your collaborator on the series, Brilliant Artist. So why don't you start by letting our listeners know what it's about? What's the uh, elevator pitch for Rat City? Uh, you know, I really am kind of terrible at these, you know, logline elevator pitches. But um, I'll say that Rat City is, uh, it's basically takes place in 2111. So we're in the far future, about 90 years into the future. And um, it is about a young man ex-soldier who uh, becomes a spawn, but he is not dead like Al Simmons. And um, basically, when Al detonated the God Bomb or the necroplasmic detonation, I always call it the God Bomb because it's a lot it's a lot easier. Um, when Al detonated the God Bomb in 300 and 301, the uh, reverberations of that went throughout space and time. So while so simultaneously as that is going on and this huge energy wave is going across the space-time continuum it starts to affect things in the future in the past and uh yeah things get a little uh a little hairy after that yeah it's so interesting uh to have you telling the story and we'll talk about that in a second but in terms of you know leaping forward obviously we've seen a lot of different hell spawns and different uh, a lot a lot of it in the past medieval spawn and what have you and we know there's been slingers yeah yeah exactly uh and we know i mean even cog cogliostro yeah yeah exactly one of the the earliest uh yeah and 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 the mystery of who he was and eventually revealed uh so was it always something i mean obviously you're familiar with spawn was it always something that kind of in the back of your mind like well what about what if we go into the future what if we see what's you know what about these future hell spawns well when I was first approached by Thomas Healy, who's the editor-in-chief uh, for Todd McFarlane Presents, uh, he had asked me if I wanted to do something for Spawn. And we didn't know whether I would be, you know, doing a mini with Scorched or with uh, She Spawn or whatever. So when I finally, you know, because we had met at New York Comic Con and, you know, those conventions are always so frenetic. So -hmm. when we sat down and we actually had like a conversation, I just sort of pitched this idea of this veteran in the future. And, you know, it has some things that harken back to Al and who Al was, you know, Al was a Marine and he worked for the government and everything and then was murdered on the job. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) And um, so I wanted to, I wanted there to be things that would harken back to Al, but also things that would, um, that would be basically that would be able to tell a new story. So I know that I said this during the deadliest bouquet, but everything that I write has to have a bit of me in it. it has to be emotionally autobiographical, as I always say. Um, and, you know, my dad was a Vietnam veteran. My grandfather was a veteran of World War II. My grandfather was also an amputee. So I wanted to sort of look at the plight of veterans um, and what happens and how they're treated after they come back from war. I mean, when my grandfather came back from World War II, he got he literally got a parade. You know, but when my father came back from Vietnam, it was a very different 
time. So Peter Karen, who is our lead, Peter is um, a soldier and he's a veteran and he is in a very unpopular war. No one wants to call it World War Three, so they call it the conflict in the Caucasus. And on a mission in Azerbaijan, um, Peter loses his legs. And we see in the first issue, originally when I when I first started pacing everything out, I started just like in the middle of it. We see, you know, spawn on a rooftop at, at night in the rain, you know, like your typical kind of thing. Um, and then you know, Thomas said, you know, we don't have to do that. Like we can do something different with this. It doesn't have, you don't have to mimic what Todd did. We can do something different. So I said, all right, so let's tell a slower burn and let's, let's bring people up to speed. And for me, that's a little odd because usually I tell nonlinear stories where we like start in one place and we jump back and jump forward and everything. So sort of telling an A to B, B to C kind of story is, 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 it's not a challenge, but it is kind of interesting for me just because I'm so used to doing these nonlinear stories, even though we still have, you know, little flashbacks here and there that give you some context. Um, a lot of things are really just, you know, we're telling the story from the beginning and seeing Peter as a soldier, seeing the brotherhood basically that he has with his unit. Um and one of his best friends is also injured in in the same attack that he lo Peter loses his legs. His best friend Reese also loses his hands. Um, and so we see what happens to Peter a few years later, and we see that you know he, like so many people, are living in you know it can't even be called poverty because everybody's there mm -hmm. you know it's it's basically they're living in rat city which i think it was issue number 42 which is where um todd originally referred to the section of the bowery that spawn lived in with like bobby and bootsy and the rest of the guys um it was called rat city the worst part of the bowery and that's where the title of this book comes from so we see that Peter is living and working in Rat City. We see these huge, beautiful, gleaming towers that, you know, the first couple of floors are, you know, really crappy and have like graffiti and everything everywhere. But you start going up and you see these towers that are like extending into the sky. And the people who are in them have no idea what's happening on the ground because their feet never touch the ground. They take air taxis from one spot to the next. Like they don't have to mingle with the, you know, derelict denizens of, of the day kind of thing. And, you know, Peter is part of the masses and he's working a job that is, you know, sort of uh, tenuous, you know, he doesn't have, you know, they don't have health care. They don't have all the things that, you know, when you think of like, oh, Star Trek in the future, everything's wonderful. No, this is not that kind of future. This is very Blade Runner, cyberpunk, um, you know, very sort of gritty and almost, almost the worst of us, for lack of a better term. Um, if you read uh, the book that I wrote with Van Jensen and Anike called Bylines in Blood, this is one step farther from that. Um, and I actually uh, sent Jay when we were working on concepts, I sent him bylines so he could see what um, Anike had already 
started plotting out and and sort of the environments that she had drawn for that book. She had drawn and colored for that book. Um, and I sent them to Jay and said, you know, see see how dirty this is? Let's just take it a, a notch farther than that, you know? People, it's basically everyone's just in survival mode, you know? Um, and you just live day to day and you survive and you don't have expectations of anything more. And if you do, then you're just setting yourself up for hopelessness. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if if you missed that, Bylines and Blood is from Aftershock. It's brilliant. Van Jensen used to be a journalist, so he's got that perspective. Yeah. Dystopian future and all about, the, you know, what is the truth? Journalist, what obligations does, uh, you know, journalism have and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, it's definitely worth your time. Uh, but getting back to uh, Rat City, what what's so interesting to me and has me so excited. So you really are telling a, a new story. You know, it's such a it's such a far leap into the future. There are still some reverberations of what Al did. And obviously, um, Peter, you know, is is a hellspawn, but in a different way. You mentioned he's not dead. But yet there are these tie ins, right? Like it's called Rat City. He, You know, he does have powers, the powers of a, of a hellspawn. And a lot of the things you're talking about, while not obviously to the extent, it does kind of mimic what Al was going through when he first came back and he had nothing and he was just trying uh, to survive. So is that just kind of a serendipitous coincidence? Are you, you know, you're not purposely trying to tell a parallel story like you were saying earlier. You don't have to homage what Todd did, Uh, but there are similarities. It seems like. Oh no, there's definitely similarities. I mean, um, so Peter lives in rat city, but he lives in an apartment and the area is called rat city. Like, so I, I grew up in and around New York, so every, everybody knows Alphabet City. Mm-hmm. Well, when Alphabet City, when when they were trying to rebrand the East Village, they would say, "Oh no, no, it's not, it's not Alphabet City. It's the East Village." It's like, no, it's Alphabet City. Come on, like you live on Ace, <laughs> like you live on Avenue A. You're living on a, in Alphabet City, but like that's the kind of thing. So it's almost like an opposite of 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 branding something. You know, it's like the opposite of like, oh, instead of calling it Rat City, let's call it something else. No, they they have completely embraced. The fact that Rat City in the Bowery is this place, it is your skid row, but it's not just one, you know, street, it is a whole area. Um, And so, yes, so Peter is not homeless, uh, like, like Al was, Uh, Peter does have a job, Peter is alive. um, And Peter has some, he has benefits in the sense that he has these, um, prosthetics, the cybernetic prosthetics that are incredibly advanced. And it's those prosthetics and the nanites within them that are affected, that create, that that make Peter into the spawn. Because when the God bomb goes off and this giant energy wave is just careening through and just bulldozing through the space-time continuum, what it's literally doing is it is affecting people, whether it's through radiation, whether it's through heaven, uh, heavenly particles, whether it's through hellspawn particles, or even Violator was part of it. You know, Violator was there when the God Bomb went off. So what is what is in this? It's almost kind of like when when a bomb goes off, like when Fukushima um, had uh, had had a meltdown and there was this sort of wave of radiation coming at you and there was this wave of 
uh, toxic water that was coming on the shores of California. People are like, what, what is, what is this, what is in this soup basically? You know, we don't know. So there's so much that has come at everybody in the city that when the, when the wave comes for Peter, it basically creates this horrible blackout and everybody loses their mind for a little bit. It's almost like, remember the old Captain Americas that have the mad bombs, right? Yep. So everybody starts losing their mind for a little bit. And Peter is just like, what the hell is going? Like, I know people are crazy, but people are crazy here. Right. And his, and he was on the job when it happened. And he's just like, I just want to get home. Just want to get home. And that's it. And when he, as, as he's making his way, he ends up getting into an altercation. And Peter was a soldier, you know, I mean, he is, he's a capable person. And he gets into this fight but it's not a normal fight. Like there's an urge inside of Peter that is very different. And he fights very, very differently to the point where he almost doesn't even recognize who, who, who he is in that moment. And it scares some people, some people who are, who witness this fight, what they see scares them. Um, and so Peter basically uh, starts finding a part of himself that he's unfamiliar with and he sort of wrestles with the idea well is this just the old soldier in me coming back and things like that or you know is there so, is there something that happened in that blackout that i didn't understand right um no. so there's there's a lot of mystery to it that we're going to slowly unfold throughout yeah kind of a journey of of self discovery it almost sounds like Peter yes. trying to figure you know figure out who he is uh which which brings me to another one of my questions um so final order cutoff for this everybody uh is March 18th and the book should be out uh on April 10th so you need to let your retailers know now that you want to order it um but we so far only one issue we've seen the first uh issue cover but this is planned as an ongoing um you have it plotted out for uh, a while we're working ahead and what have you yeah, I have uh, the plot. I have, well, one through six is written, one through seven rather is written. And I have it plotted up until 24. Um, and it was sort of offhand. It was sort of an offhanded comment, but I've been sort of taking it as an edict of like, Todd wants at least 30 issues out of you. So I I am doing my best to make it at least 30 issues, if not longer. I mean, I... For all I know, this is going to go 350 issues. I don't know. Right. Um, but you can definitely expect 30, if not more. Um, and we're doing it in six issue arcs. So the first trade that would come out would be one through six. So that's completely written already. And Jay is working on the art for issue number four right now. Um, and I outlined issue I'm working on an outline for issue eight right now because I outline the arcs, but then I outline each individual issue as well. Mm. So I'm working on the outline for, for issue number eight now um, and looking to get that done by get the script done um, uh, before mid-March. So what's the balance like? I mean, obviously this is set in the, the spawn universe. So you do want a few touchstones and certainly with, with Peter having the powers of the hell spawn, you know, that's one. And you know, we talked about some other similarities, but you also mentioned, you know, this is kind of a brand new story. You have a lot of freedom uh, at the same time, you know, you, you're going to want fans of spawn 
uh, people that are invested in, in Todd's line to, p- to pick this up. So do you worry about that at all? Or are you just, you know what, I'm going to tell the best story I can. And yeah, there are some aspects of, of spawn mythology here, but I'm just going to focus on telling the story that I want to tell. To be honest, I mean, the only person that I really need to, to make sure is happy about it is Todd. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be truthful. Um, excuse me. Um, so if Todd is happy with what I'm doing, then great. Um, but no, I mean, I think that this is a jumping on point for people who may be familiar with the character of a Spawn, but not the Spawn universe. So people who've never read Spawn before, they can jump on this. Fans of sci-fi can jump on this. Fans of Spawn can jump on this. Uh, fans of stories about self-discovery can jump on this. Um, there's there's a lot mashed in here. There is a war story that is mashed in here. There's a love story that is mashed in here. There is a story about um, blaming yourself for things. There's a story about basically trying to reinvent yourself because you don't like what you see in the mirror. Um, There's a whole lot going on here and we're going to, you know, pick apart each one of these things and we're going to examine it and we're going to say these people, you know, Peter is for want of a better term, Peter is a superhero and how, how do we lionize our soldiers or how do we, you know, treat them like trash? How do, you know, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile being a soldier yet also having killed people? You know, is that, does that just come with the territory? Like, you know, there's, I forget who said it, but someone, I I heard a phrase once that it's not murder if it's during war or something to to that Mm -hmm. effect. You know, it's killing, not murder. And when Peter comes back, he has a very different outlook than when he first went into the service. And that's, we're going to wrestle with that. We're going to wrestle with a whole lot of things. Yeah. Again, parallels to to spawn because, that, that, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, we've been doing the daily spawn and going back and, and rereading from the very beginning of spawn. And, and one of the things that I don't think Todd got enough credit for in the beginning was, how relatable Al Simmons was, you know, he came back for love, you know, we can all relate to, to, you know, caring about somebody, you put yourself in, in Al's shoes. What, Hey, what would I do? And it seems like kind of the same thing. If you were in Peter's shoes and you, you were discovering that you had these abilities and questioning who you were, you know, what, what would you do in that situation? I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of relatability there and and it, I think it leads to um, an interesting story. And I think it goes back to uh, what you said earlier about, being emotionally invested for you and, and exploring things that ma- matter to you. Because when a writer does that and they're passionate about something, it comes through in the writing and then it becomes that much more enjoyable. Would you agree with that? Oh, no, definitely. And and to be honest, I mean, I, I try very, very hard to like everything that I write. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like every single thing that I write because, you know, sometimes there are certain things you just, there are certain boxes you have to tick off for, right the crossover series or for this, that, and the next thing. But I, I genuinely, I, I don't want anybody to ever read a story that I wrote and be like, oh, she kind of phoned this one in, you know, because I, I, I feel that I do have enough of a bibliography that people can sort of sense my style and sense 
you know, and, and sort of feel my voice as they're reading. So I, I don't want anybody to feel that. And I genuinely, I am genuinely invested in this story for so many reasons. Um, least of which is the fact that, I mean, I was a fan of Spawn, you know, I read, you know, multiple issues. So, I mean, I was in high school when, when Spawn first started and when, and I remember in college, um, one of my very close friends was like, would always still go to the comic shop. He'd be like, oh man, you got to read this. And, you know, this is like some crazy stuff. And like, you've never, we, you know, I've never read anything like this and look at these panel layouts and you've got spread double page spreads that are like, you know, you know, verticals and all kinds of like really groundbreaking things at the time. Um, and I, and I always thought that Spawn was just a really fun and simple story and not simple. And that's by no means a pejorative, but the idea of like, Al came back for love. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that is the core of the story. Al came back for love. Then there's all this other complication with Al, you know, with Al's relationship with Cogliostro and, you know, the whole thing with Raphael and trying, you know, with the, um, the office and trying to figure things out and trying to get a hold of Spawn and Spawn breaking free and Violator just screwing around and Jason Wynn being Jason Wynn. Um, so I think that it's really, it, it basically just boils down to that one thing is like, here is someone who is very determined and that determination worked really well for him in his job. But that's that same determination is what makes him a thorn in hell's side, you know? Um, and so we work on that. And then, you know, the idea that, I mean, there are other characters at play in this story where we've got a character named Quinlan who is, so there's a character named Reese who is Peter's best friend and he's one of his his comrades in arms. And Quinlan and Reese are in relationship and Peter and Reese are like brothers. And Quinlan and Peter do not know each other but something happens to Reese that then brings the two of them together. And they're sort of locked in this relationship because of mutual loss. And they don't trust each other, but they both trusted this one person. So they kind of have to trust each other, but they're still, you know, and, and it's this sort of gentle dance of, I don't want to tell you too much about myself because I don't want you to judge me. Mm-hmm. But... I'm still really vulnerable because I just lost someone close to me and I don't know if I'm going to accidentally slip and then say something. And then out of nowhere, you know, it's going to, it's going to blow stuff up. So there's, there's a lot of, of things that are happening, but you know, like any good spawn story, I mean, you would see stuff that Todd would seed in like issue number like four or five, and then it would blow up later. I mean, look at uh, No Home Here, um, the new story by Jonathan Glapion and Daniel mm-hmm. Enriquez. Like that whole thing is about the Billy is basically bounces off of the Billy Kincaid story, which was spawn number five, yeah, four or five, you know, and that comes out of 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 Billy Kincaid. So you know, stuff that was seeded literally 30 years ago are going to, is going to come back. So, I mean, there's stuff that I'm seeding in, you know, issues. Actually there's stuff that's seeded in issue one that 
that I already have plotted to come back at the end of 12 and then start a new arc, you know, 13. That's when that's really going to ramp up in 13. So I'm sort of trying to juggle a whole lot. And it's kind of like looking at a spider web and focusing on one little octagon of it and then taking three steps back to see how that octagon is going to um, incorporate into the rest of it. It's a lot of work. I'm working yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fun, though. I mean, a little bit more freedom than, you know, a lot of the other situations where you're in where you're like, well, maybe I'm going to get four issues. Maybe I'm going to get six and that might be it. How can I tell a complete story? You've got a little more room to play, it seems like. Oh, I have a lot of room to play. And, you know, I I joked around at the beginning um, with Thomas saying Todd is either giving me all this room because he trusts me or he's giving me enough rope to hang myself. <laughs> and he's like, no, he trusts you. He loves the, he loves what you're putting out and this, that, and the next thing. So I was like, all right. But, you know, I mean, everybody has self-doubt. I mean, all creators, we all have self-doubt and this idea of like, the anxiety of, you know, am I writing something? I, I'm writing something that I would enjoy. Am I writing something that somebody else would enjoy? But like I said, I mean, it, it, as long as Todd likes it, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting so. you mentioned that earlier because we had him on recently uh, and he was talking about just how much kind of spawn head cannon he has, things that, you know, you would never actually see on the page, but it exists in his head. And he's kind of the only person that it exists for because he's never written it down or told anybody about it. So if you're writing a story and it's fitting in and he's enjoying it, it's fitting into his head cannon. That's really all you need to worry about. Yeah, exactly. You have to be a little psychic when it comes to Todd. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, Todd has never been anything but incredibly kind and um, supportive of the work that Jay and I are doing. Um, and he's really always just been like, you know, he hasn't said, I trust you to do this, but I mean, he's, you know, him, him having sort of a hands-off approach for lack of a better term, um, is him saying, I trust you to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned Jay a couple of times, your uh, collaborator on the series doing the art. Let's talk about kind of the visual tone of, of the story, uh, of Peter's look and what have you, because he looks, you know, obviously different than other spawns that we've seen before. Was this just a situation where you kind of laid the broad strokes out for Jay and said, hey, do the character designs, do the world designs, and, and then we'll bounce back and forth? Or did you have specific ideas in mind for what you wanted uh, things to look like? Well, I gave him a lot of reference. Um, and, you know, and with any script that I work on, whether it's for Marvel or for, you know, Spawn or what, or even independent stuff, I always, you know, tell the artists, like, these are suggestions, like, Comics are a collaborative process and anybody who is a writer who dictates to their artist is not a, a true, you know, master of the, of the, you know, medium. So I always say like, this is where my head's at. Um, if there's something that you disagree with, let's chat, uh, chat about it kind of thing. And so I was saying, you know, like, let's think about like Blade Runner and Cyberpunk. And he was like, yeah, Altered Carbon. I'm like, yeah, we're totally on the same page with this. And um, so he he really he just got it from from jump. And the idea is that, you know, sp the look in the spawn outfit is it's not necroplasm that creates the spawn outfit on um, on Peter. It's not a necroplasmic uh, uh, costume. It's the infection, it's the infected nanites. 
So his prosthetic limbs have nanites in them and that's how they work. And when the God bomb went off, his nanites were what got infected. So when the nanites create this look, they're creating it in, they're emulating spawn because that's what the God bomb has basically infected them with is these, this, for lack of a better term, this visual of what spawn would be. Mm. And Jay just took it and ran with it and just, I mean, we went through a couple of different iterations about like, well, what should the cape look like? Because if the cape isn't necroplasm, it's actually nanites. Like what should, what should we do with the cape? Should it be huge and billowing like, you know, Todd, uh, Todd's cape, excuse me, like Al's cape, or should it be, you know, more streamlined? And he did a streamlined version of it. Like when you, when you look at the character turnarounds, there is a streamlined version, but I love these little details, like that notch in the bottom of the cape Mm -hmm. that you can see on the cover, these little details and little things like on his legs, there are this, there are these tubing on the legs that when he is Peter, the tubing glows blue but when he is spawn it glows green you know all these just like little details that that are just really fantastic um that jay put together and you see a lot one of the things that he's done which is you're gonna see more of is there's graffiti everywhere and there's and it just makes it feel lived in is the wrong word but it just makes it feel so gritty and and genuine to just see this like just tags thrown up everywhere and and that's something that i think is is just a really kind of cool visual of this idea of these people in general trying to make their own mark like literally make their mark by tagging you know what i mean yeah it gives that sense that it's a the world is dirty, right? It's lived in, it's used. It's not the bright, shiny. You mentioned Star Trek, you know, earlier as kind of a reference to sort of the bright, shiny future. And this sounds like it's sort of the antithesis of that. Yeah. And, and the bright, shiny future does exist. It just exists 50 stories up. Yeah. People literally living in ivory towers. Yeah. And the rarefied air that they're among. So. Well, yeah, very excited, very, very excited for Rat City number one. Reminder, everybody, uh, it's supposed to be out on April 10th. Uh, you have until March 18th to order it. So now's the time to tell your retailers that you want to uh, grab it and uh, they can be sure to uh, order you uh, a copy. So as we're winding down here, Erica, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about uh, Rat City or any other work you have coming out soon? Well, yeah, I mean, we are really excited about Rat City. Um, I also have... Uh, Daredevil Gang War number four comes out um, March 7th, uh, March 6th, excuse me. And um, then Blood Hunters was just announced uh, from Marvel, which is going to be a mini series in the um, as part of the Blood Hunt crossover where everybody turns into a vampire kind of thing. So uh, that's going to be announced. That was just announced today. Wow. Fantastic. A lot of uh, good stuff coming out uh, for sure. So uh, again, we appreciate you um, joining us and telling us all about Rat City. Uh, I, this might be the one that I'm most excited about just because it's such a departure, just going you know far into the future. He's not dead. He looks fantastic from what I've seen so far. So uh, I can't wait to check it out. Uh, yeah. It's a spawn book that isn't a spawn book, but that's still a spawn book. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, and I, I, I feel like this character is in, in good hands and 
uh, I can't wait to see. And if Todd, yeah, if Todd's digging it, then I, I feel like, you know, uh, the, the spawn community out there is going to dig it as well. Uh, can you let everybody know where to find you? Uh, you mentioned a couple of projects you have coming up. Uh, people want to know when those things are coming out and what have you, where's the best place to follow your work online? Um, I'm on blue sky at Erica Schultz 42. I'm uh, still on Twitter at Erica Schultz 42. And I am on uh, Instagram at Erica Schultz writes W R I T E S. And my website is Erica Schultz So if you don't go to your comic shop and get rat city, I will have copies that I'll have up for sale on my website. Or if you want to check out any of my other previous work, whether it's my independent stuff like deadly's bouquet, which you were kind enough to have me on during when we yeah, had the Kickstarter. Yeah. And that, that was such a great story and a surprising ending <laughs> that I did not expect. So yeah, I recommend that as well as the, the bylines uh, that you mentioned that you did with Van Jensen is also very good. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got all that stuff up there. You can read up on my stuff and, uh, and yeah, just uh, check it out. I will be at Lexington Comic-Con on March 7th. Um, so if you are at Lexington Comic-Con, you can come by and say hi. I will be tabling next to, uh, to Liana Kangas. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and I'll put links, everybody, uh, to the uh, social media in the show notes. So if you're having trouble finding Eric on those platforms, you can just go to the, the show notes and click and uh, and find her there. So, uh, again, don't forget April 10th, everybody, uh, for Rat City. Order now. Let your comic shop know. Last thing you want to do is miss out on this thing because, uh, you know, how many of us would like to be able to go back and buy a few copies of uh, Spawn number one now, right? You don't want to admit that. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, Erica, thanks so much for joining. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Jace. Be well. And to all you listeners, we want to thank you for your support. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.